But today we're going to be talking about prayer. I wanted to do this at the beginning of the year because I think prayer is important. Uh, I think we could all use a little help here in this this area of our lives. Uh, I just uh, personally sometimes really struggle with prayer. Um, So this sermon is just as much for me as as it is for you guys. So Jackie read the Lord's Prayer out of Matthew. I'm going to be preaching from the other telling of the Lord's Prayer in, in, in Luke. So, Luke 11, one starts. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. Do you know what's amazing about this, by the way? Is we're talking Jewish people here. You've got to remember the context. They had been praying their whole lives. They were taught to pray three times a day. And they're seeing Jesus pray. And, and Jesus was brought up as a Jewish boy. He was Jewish. But obviously he prayed differently enough that his disciples go, hey, can you teach us to pray like you pray? Like you pray. See, prayer is God's prescription for our life in this fallen world. Now, If I told you that you were going to die today. But if you took one of these pills in the morning and every single night and you would not die today. Would you do that for the rest of your life? What? God's not done with you yet. But I'm just saying, okay. You got a point, but I'm saying, are you you done living for God here yet? But but if you don't take this pill, you're going to die. Would you remember to do it every day? You would, wouldn't you? How come we would do that, we we don't we would forget to pray in the morning and at night and throughout the day how come we would forget we 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 forget the most important thing is given us because i'm not going to ask anybody to raise their hands but how many of you this is a question for yourself before you left your house this morning, prayed. I'm not asking for any hands. How many people, before they fell asleep last night, prayed? See, we're supposed to be in a relationship with Jesus. 
If I didn't talk to my wife last night, she wouldn't be talking to me today. Relationships are two-way. We so often forget that we, as Christians, are in a relational religion. It's relational. We talk to God. God talks to us. Prayer is God's prescription for life. If you want to live a full life, the life that God has planned for you, you should pray. Verse 2 says, the first part of verse 2 says, and he said to them, he said to them, when you pray, when you pray, he doesn't say if you pray, when you pray, when you pray, when was the last time you forgot to breathe? Because prayer is breathing for a Christian. When you pray. When you pray. 2023, this is what my whole purpose, I'm going to share it right up front for this sermon, is that 2023 is a, a year that you start to pray at least twice a day. At least. When you get up, before you go to sleep. See, here's the thing. Imagine this. Imagine this. If we, before we put our foot on the ground, remember that we are in a relationship with God, and we talk to Him, and imagine, before we go to sleep, when we lay down in our bed, we talk to Him. Can you imagine how different your perspective on the world would be if you did that and made prayer like breathing. I think you should pray more than twice a day, by the way, because I believe in shotgun prayers too. Shotgun prayers are when you're walking down the street or you're, you're in a store and you see somebody, you, you, you pray to God because here's what happens. God sometimes uses you to answer those prayers that you're praying for. So if you see somebody in need and you start thinking, that person's in need, I'm going to pray for them. Maybe God will say, hey, I want you to be the person to help that person. It changes our mindset if we use prayer like we use breathing. We walk around and we're looking for opportunities to pray. This world is broken. And God wants to use you. But if you're not in 
communication with him, how are you going to be used? Because of my job, okay, I suffer in this, not because, because when you do something, okay, it takes away from, I've noticed, and this is something that I decided that I'm going to change for 2023, is that my personal relationship with God has been suffering because of my job for God. Because what happens is, my devotional, my personal devotion time has gone out the window. And it shouldn't have. I should still be having personal time with God. You should be having personal time with God. I have time with God, but it's, I'm studying, I'm doing all this other stuff for God, and I'm forgetting to do the most important thing for God, and that's my personal growth with God. And that's the most important thing to you. I stopped breathing. I don't want you to stop breathing too. The rest of, the rest of verse 2 says, Father, hallowed be your name. Prayer is to honor God. And sometimes we go, well, why do we need to honor God? Because God knows who God is. And he does. You don't honor God. You don't tell him how great he is, by the way. Because he needs to hear it. He's, he's, not, he's not like most of us. That we want to be lifted up. He already knows how great he is. When you say something enough, you start believing it. You start believing it. When you tell God how great he is, the most important thing in prayer, one of the, probably the most important thing is to tell God how great he is. Not because he needs to hear it, because you need to hear it. If you read the Psalms, a lot of them about telling God how magnificent he is. That was David's personal prayer life written for us. We are to honor God. Prayer should always start with honor to God. He is your God. He's my God. He's different than any other imaginary gods out there. Because he's real. And we forget how good and how great he is because we don't say it enough. We're not in this enough. A good, a good, a good thing to do when you pray is to go to the Psalms and read them and pray them. It's a good way of honoring God. The first thing we're supposed to do when we pray is to honor him. He's our 
Father. And prayer is not just conversation. It is conversation. Prayer is really complicated, I found out this week. Because prayer is not just communication. I believe that you can talk to God like you talk to your best friends. But then I also go, well, now I'm because he's God. Now, that means if prayer is just conversation, that means every single word that was ever said to Jesus while he was on earth, from the time he was born to the time he dies, was prayer request. If it's just conversation. Jesus lived for 33 years, okay? People obviously spoke to him. He, he obviously went to the store and bought a loaf of bread. So why he was communicating with this person at the bread store to buy a loaf of bread or the flour to make the bread, was that a prayer request? This is where prayer gets complicated because I believe that, that you talk to him like a friend. Yes, when you pray. I also believe you talk to him like our Lord. And I also believe you wrestle with God. Because they're all talked about in the Bible. But it's not just conversation. It's more than that. It's more than that. Then he says, give us each day. Oh, sorry, I missed the verse. I missed the verse, so there's an extra point I'm going to give you. Because the next part says, your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. We are supposed to be praying for God's kingdom to come here on earth. Okay? We're supposed to be praying that, that what God think, thinks is important, we think is important for this world. We want Jesus to come back. Because that's going to end all of the crap that's going on in the world today. But we want God to use us right now, right now, to bring his kingdom right here. So that means we love like Jesus loves. Just like we did the angel tree, the Christmas tree boxes. We support missionaries to take stuff around the world. We, we help other organizations out. That is bringing God's kingdom down to earth. That is loving people like Jesus loved people. We're never going to do this perfectly. But we should be praying for that. So our prayers should be missional prayers too. We should have missional prayers. Now, he says, give us each day our daily bread. He doesn't say, give me tomorrow's bread. Give us next week's bread. He says, give us today's bread. So Jesus tells his disciples to only pray for what we need today. And the reason he does that is because, here's the thing. We worry about our past. Our past is forgotten. Yesterday's gone. 2022. 
out the window. Any mistakes you made in 2022, they're gone with the 2022 year. We're in 2023. It's a new year. We're going to make mistakes. But each day, we only have to pray for what we need today. God just needs to get us through today. We, by the way, the reason he tells you this, how many people know that they're going to wake up tomorrow for sure? Nobody! Nobody in this room knows that we are going to be awake tomorrow. But you're awake today. So pray today for what you need today. Don't be greedy. We just need what we need today to get through today. God's already in tomorrow worrying about tomorrow. Why would I have to worry about tomorrow? Why would you have to worry about tomorrow? God's there. You're not. We just need to worry about today. Give us this day, each day, our daily bread. Give us what we need today, God, to get us through till tomorrow. Now, if we had a good prayer life, we would probably get this point. Because we would be praying every day. So, if we prayed every day instead of, hey, it's Sunday, we're going to pray because we're going to church. We're going to pray when everybody else prays at church. And that's our prayer life for the whole week. That's why we have to pray for more than today's needs. Prayer is for our daily needs. And forgive us our sins. Prayer is for confession. How many of you, while you're praying, confess your sin? I mean, think about that. We, we pray like this. Hey, God, I need uh, 100 bucks. My gas bill's due today. Uh, can I have this? It's like the vending machine, God. We say we don't believe that, but we really pray like that. When you think about it, you really pray like that. I mean, if you're really honest with yourself, most people do not fall to their knees or stand up and say, God, I really screwed up today. I really screwed up today. You're an amazing God, and I know I'm forgiven, but God, I did something I didn't. I, I, somebody cut me off and I flipped them the bird and cussed at them. I shouldn't have done that. And I know I shouldn't have done that. I can't take it back, God. But please help me in that matter. Please help me because I'm an angry person. How many people pray like that? But the Bible tells us that's what we're supposed to do. 
We're supposed to confess the sin in our life. That is part of prayer. And I don't know about you, but I'm not perfect yet. Neither are you. We are so broken. I believe confession is is something that we should do. We should definitely do it to God. First and foremost, we should do it to God. We should do it with each other too, but we have to do it to God. I mean, look at David. David slept with Bathsheba and then killed Bathsheba's husband. And then he was miserable. And then his first confession, when he confesses, he doesn't go to Bathsheba and says, I am sorry I killed your husband. I got you pregnant and I killed your husband because I wanted to cover this whole mess up because I wanted to still look holy. He didn't do that. He went to God. And do you know what he says? He said, sorry, God, I sinned against you. I'm thinking, what about poor Bathsheba's husband? But he didn't. He, he said, God, I sinned against you. How many of your prayers say that? And, and by the way, just so you know, you don't have to cuss at somebody. You can watch too much TV. Okay? You can watch too much of the chosen that's about Jesus. Okay? And it can be a sin if it's taking you away from what God has planned for your life. I'm reading a book on leadership right now by Paul Tripp. Really good book. But I'm reading it. And I got condemned yesterday reading this. And it made me think, man, I really do have some stuff. How many people think eating is a sin? Eating. Because here's the thing is, it's acceptable. Because, okay, in the last six months, I've probably gained 20 pounds, right? And, and here's the thing is, because you don't gain it all at once, okay, it's acceptable. But I love food, okay? That is, by the way, my drug of choice. It's no different than any other drug. I prefer food. And, and, and food can consume you. And I was reading this book and it said, it said, you know, because it's an acceptable sin, gluttony, it, 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 it seems acceptable in our society. And, and, and because I love food, I love food. If I eat sugar, I, I, I'm on a sugar kick right now because I'm addicted. And it, it, I'm confessing, right, by the way, why I'm preaching. So, I, I have got to stop eating sugar. I mean, you might think this is funny because I'm going to tell you. Me, when my sister was here, she loves that I use her in my sermons. I did tell her about this t-shirt. But we, we and, and you've seen Shelly. So me, Shelly, and, and this is my confession. Me, my sister Cheryl, and my wife Shelly, 
went to see my dad, and we stopped at a place called Cookie Crumble. If you've got a problem with cookies, don't go to Cookie Crumble. If you've got a problem where you're going to eat two and three quarter cookies, don't go. By the way, their cookies are this big and this fat, okay? They are four servings a cookie, okay? So we hadn't at supper, and we're on the way back. I actually, me, see an Indian restaurant, and I want to go try the Indian restaurant, but my sister goes, oh, cookies. And I'm like, oh, cookies? We're cookies. So we go in there, we buy six cookies, okay? Two each. Two four-serving cookies each. Huge cookies, if you haven't been there. They are good cookies. But, so we, we go there and we eat. We're in the car, in the car park, eating cookies. And I eat the first gingerbread cookie, and it was good. And then I eat the second cookie. By the way, it was good too. But then, Shelly goes, I can only eat half of this cookie. She'd already had one cookie. This is Shelly. She doesn't eat this much food. So she gives me the other half of her cookie. And I'm like, yeah, I better eat it. I'm not going to throw it away. Like it's not going to last till tomorrow. Right. And then my sister, me and my sister, so high on sugar. Shelly's in the back thinking we're gone crazy because we're laughing. Okay. And, and she, my sister goes, oh, she had this really sickly sweet chocolate cookie with peppermint stuff on it and all this stuff. It was a Christmassy. And she had a quarter of it left. And she goes, brother, please save me and eat this cookie. <laughs> so what does her brother do? I eat it. So now I've had two and three quarter cookies. Eleven servings of cookies. Because I couldn't stop myself. That would be like Dave taking a drink. It's no different, by the way. That is just as bad as Dave taking a drink and drinking. Do you think... I don't think 11 servings of cookies are healthy for me to eat. And, and, and I want to live a bit longer than this. I mean, I'm, I am okay whenever God wants to take me back, but I think he's got plans for me right now. So I need to be in the best shape I can be in. And I don't think eating 11 servings of cookies is good. And then when I hear that yesterday, I'm like, I really have to confess that to God because dieting doesn't work. Dieting does not work. But confessing that, God, yes, I'm addicted to food. Help me with this addiction. And when I slip up, can continue to confess to him. But you struggle with certain things in your life too. There's certain things in your life that would not be considered sin to somebody else. Somebody else could take a quarter of that cookie and eat a quarter of cookie and go, well, that was too much. I'm done. But somebody else will drink. Somebody else will do drugs. Somebody else will, uh, you name it. You put it in a box. Binge watch TV. We say we do not have enough time to 
pray to God and confess and give everything to God. Yet we spend so much time doing all this other crap. We've always got a phone in front of us nowadays, scrolling through something, reading about something. And I don't think there's anything wrong with all that stuff. I think, I think just like I have a problem with sweets, people have a problem with Facebook and Twitter and everything else under the sun when it comes to social media. And some people have trouble, oh, the new Stranger Things come out. I'm going to watch all, I don't even know how many episodes in this series, six episodes all in one night. Because I've got to know what's happening. And we won't take 10, 15 minutes, half an hour to pray to God. Did you notice at the beginning, he, it, it said, for all them things, 15 minutes prayer in the vending machine. Uh, and he was like, oh, I'll make it work. I'll make it work. Because I've got to fit it between this and this. Oh, the football team's playing. My favorite football team's playing today. They stink, but I still got to watch them because I can't take, I can't take 15 minutes to pray. And by the way, if you're married, if you're a couple in any way, shape, or form, I will tell you this. Couples that pray together will stay together. You need to pray together. You need to confess together. Because your spouse should know everything about you. All your struggles. They're following Jesus too. They struggle too. And he says, and lead us not into into temptation. Prayer is for our sanctification. Okay, we all know what justification is. Justification means that Jesus died, and when God looks at you or me, he sees Jesus' life, and Jesus paid the price for our, our, our penalty. So we are imprinted with Jesus when God looks at us. Sanctification, not to get confused, is what God is doing to you right now. He is making you more like him. Sanctification is God restoring you to the original image of God. Remember when he created Adam, he was creating Adam in the image of God. That is what sanctification is. It's, it's, we are praying for God to make us more like him. God Give me a heart like yours. Give me a compassion for the world like you have. Make me more like you and less like me. So we've confessed and then we go, hey God, make me more like you so I don't struggle in them areas anymore. And he does. Because I don't know how long you've been following Jesus, but I know for a fact that I am not the same person that walked in this church, by the way, 20 years ago. 
This week, I get to celebrate my 20th birthday. That's awesome. I love the fact that I'm only 20. So, uh, <laughs> I am. I, I was born again. That's what the Bible says. Born again. So, this week, I turned 20. So, so, but God has been making me more like me, he, more like him. He's been sanctifying me this whole time. I was justified immediately when I accepted Christ. The justification, I was made in his image. He, so God looks at me and he sees Jesus. He doesn't see my messed upness. But now he doesn't want to leave me like that because he loves me too much. But he also wants me to pray for it. He always wants, he wants me to ask for him to mature me. See, if we all got this part too, we would change as a church too. Because he's not only sanctifying us individually, he's sanctifying the church. So we can be more like him. We could do more things for him. And finally, after he's done, as Jesus does so well, he tells a story. Luke eleven five, And he said to them, to try and get them to understand what he was saying. Which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, Lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing set before him. And he will answer from within, do not bother me, the door is now shut, and my children are, in, are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I will tell you. Though he will not get up and give, give him anything because he is, a, he, he is a friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. He kept knocking. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, that puts us in a good place, doesn't he? He's calling us all evil. Know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? See, if you knock, Jesus will answer. See, if you got this whole prayer, you're honoring God, you're confessing your skin, sins, 
You're asking him for just what you need today. So, so, so basically, you're on point with God. That's why people's, the Bible says God will answer your prayers. Yes, he will. If you're in line, he'll, he'll say yes to everything if you're in line with Jesus. What Jesus would ask for your life. But the problem with us is we want to ask for stuff that we think we need. But we really just want. See, God answers every single prayer that you ever ask. He says, yes, no, maybe later. See, here's the thing. I'll say this all the time. Pray for healing all the time. I will never stop praying for healing. But more importantly than healing that I think we miss a lot of the times is for them to know Jesus. Because that's healing we really want. We want people to know Jesus because here, this is what I'm going to tell you. If you pray for healing and leave out, if they don't know Jesus part, please let them know Jesus. What are you keeping them alive in this world for? See, here's the thing is, I, if I got diagnosed with, with, with cancer, okay, I would pray for healing. I know Jesus. I'm okay if he takes me. And by the way, he'll give me healing. I'm either going to get healed this side of the cross or the other side when I die and, and get raised. I will be healed because I know Jesus. But if, if, if you pray for somebody and they don't know Jesus, more importantly than praying for them to, know, to be healed is to know Jesus. More important is... They have a relationship with the relational God, Jesus. I think our prayers all get jumbled up. Jesus wants us to talk to him. Jesus wants us to ask for healing. He wants us to to meet our needs. But here's the thing. Say... Say God needs me to do something, okay? But what I'm asking for is going to hinder that, what he wants for me. Do you think he's going to give me what I'm asking for? Say God needs me to be homeless to do what he's called me to do. And I'm praying for him to meet my house payment and he doesn't make it. I don't get my house, but maybe God needed me to be homeless to do what he asked for me to do. See, we look at the world so messed up because we look at it from our point of view. I mean, how many people in this church, still in this church, prayed for me before I became a Christian 20 years ago? Do you know you prayed for my father-in-law to die? I mean, not literally, 
But that's what it took for me to come to Jesus. If he hadn't died, I wouldn't be standing here today. I mean, really, when you think about it, we have got this world so messed up because we want to look at it from our point of view. You can look at your whole life and go, wow, God answered that prayer, but I would have never answered it that way. I mean, this whole church prayed for me. My wife prayed for me. And it's her dad that had to die. So, we pray and we think, oh, God's going to answer this prayer this way or this prayer this way. God's going to do this. God's going to do that. God's going to do it his way because his way is the right way. And we will never, ever, ever, ever understand why God does what God does. Because here's the thing about God. He is God. Here's the thing about you. You are not. Even when you die, by the way, you are not going to understand God. When you go to heaven, God is still going to be a mystery. You might know more about God but you will never, ever fully know God. Because if you ever do understand God, that will make you God, and you're never going to be God. Ever. So, because it's the first day of the year, today I want you to find some paper, a journal, something in your house, Okay, or go to Walmart or Target or somewhere and buy a book that will last you a whole year of writing present. If you need more than one book, great. That means you're really praying hard, right? Every day, I want you to write your prayers down, okay? And I'm serious about this. This is, I want everybody in this room to, to, to do this because I'm going to tell you, if I'm still here or Jesus hasn't come back, 2024, first, first Sunday of the, uh, after Christmas, first Sunday after Christmas, I'm going to ask people to bring them prayer books. And I want them to have looked through them before that sermon and go, wow, God answered this prayer this way, this way, this way. Because I'm going to tell you, you're going to pray for a lot of stuff. Not all them prayers are going to be answered this year, but some of them are. So starting today, I want you to start a year off with a prayer life. If you're married, if you're a couple, pray together. Write them prayers down. Also, write your separate prayers down. And pray every single day for what you want God to do in your life. What you pray for every single day. And just see how he answers them prayers. I haven't kept a prayer journal since I felt called to be a pastor, by the way. So this is a challenge for me too. But I will tell you, one prayer that's in that book, okay, was to pray for my wife to understand 
Because when I first told her I was going to be a pastor, she said to me, if you're a pastor, I'm going to divorce you. And I said, don't make me choose between you and God. Because you'll never win. So I started praying. In that book, one of my biggest supporters helped me a lot this year is my wife. When I became pastor of this church, she said, she was all like, I don't want to be a pastor's wife. Like, everybody to look at her. What, what? So she did the worst thing ever possible is she looked at what a pastor's wife was supposed to do. Well, luckily, she, she Google searched it and didn't go off too far where it was actually good information. And it said her job was to support, by the way, I'm just going to let you know, this is her only job, to support her husband. That was what God wanted her to know. And guess what? She has done a phenomenal job of doing that this year. And I thank God every day for that because I know having that conversation 18 years ago when she said to me, if you become a pastor, it's not going to work. And now she supports me. That is how amazing God is. And God does answer prayers. And sometimes they take a long time to be answered. But you need to start this today. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you that you taught us to pray. That you gave us a model of prayer. Not a prayer to pray, but a model of how to pray. That we honor you first, God. That we accept your forgiveness. That we confess our sins to you. And that we ask that you use us to bring your message of of grace and glory. And help us this year as we plan, God, to pray. As if we need to pray to, to, to live, to breathe. Because that is what a Christian is. Without prayer, we have nothing. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.